Welcome to Education Today, where we'll have conversations with the educators, thought leaders, researchers, and entrepreneurs whose perspectives on teaching and learning are defining and driving innovation in K-12 education. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. Each episode, we'll dig into topics, including how schools are succeeding with technology, current best practices in pedagogy and instruction, the data-driven insights that are changing our understanding of teaching and learning, and much, much more. And now, let's get on to today's show. Many of you are going to know my next guest, Jeff Bradbury. Uh, Jeff, founder of TeacherCast Educational Network, doing all kinds of amazing things on the East Coast. You've got a new podcast talking about um, EDU brand uh, and the impact that educators can have when they think about their role in the ecosystem. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today. Jeff, you and I have known each other for a number of years, and I think what's fascinating about what you've done in podcasting and really the power of audio is expand that conversation, not just to sort of the application in the classroom, but the application to the human being, whether you're, you're seven or you're 12, or you're the educator in the room, or you are in a professional development environment, the power of audio. How has it changed for you over the last eight to 10 years when you sort of look back retrospectively? Oh, I think of anything it's gotten easier. You know, I still remember when we started TeacherCast in 2011 and you needed so much equipment and now you can do it all on your phone with nothing. And, you know, there's a lot of podcasters that, out there today that basically say, what equipment do you need? And really the conversation is more, well, what do you just want to say with it? I'm in a position right now being a middle school broadcasting teacher where I'm able to not only share my passions with these amazing students, but really help them transform their lives through the power of audio and video. It's really, really rewarding. Tell me about the students of today in 2020 versus students that you've had in the past. Are you finding that you're getting sort of a different type of student that's wanting to come in and understand audio with regards to their learning, their education, and maybe what they want to do when they're older? How has that changed from the student perspective? I think the students are more aware of what's possible out there. You know, in our school, we do a lesson called Why Am I Awesome? And basically, I ask the kids to write down 10 reasons of you know, what makes them special, what makes them amazing. And they all still want to be you know, rock stars and sports people. But now I'm getting more students more than ever saying, I want to be YouTubers and I want to be personalities. And I want to, you know, these are 10, 12, 11 kids. Um, I've got kids that are saying, I want to be shoe moguls but they're doing that through the power of audio and video through platforms like YouTube. And it's easier for them to more than ever to figure out how to do these things. I kind of find it as my role to inspire them to not only do it in a safe environment, but also to do it in a responsible environment that is going to help them out in their futures. Jeff, do you feel that the, the, the audio environment and the tools that you use actually help young people craft their message and craft their ability to sequence what they want to say that's very different than texting or sitting in a classroom and chatting sort of desk to desk? Absolutely. You know, the first lesson that we do with our kids is a simple introduce yourself. And we go around the room and, you know, find a partner, introduce yourself, that kind of a simple routine. But then 15 minutes later, I asked the partner, can you please introduce that person? And the whole lesson behind that is, are you making an introduction of yourself so that way, minutes later, moments later, a lifetime later, people will still recognize you and remember you. And we then go into the power of your voice, of audio, of being able to tell your story in a way that's not just pitchy, 
but branded. And how are people going to remember you from what you do, what your actions, what you say, and how you do things? And you start to teach kids how, you know, not only just use an application like TikTok, but really deep dive into it to be able to explain your why and just explain who your story, you know, what your story is. And ultimately, that's how people are going to remember you, your brand. And you know, it's so easy these days just to pick up any device and use, you know, an audio or video platform. It's, it's amazing to see what these kids are doing. What's the change in staff and other educators that you're finding, even at, at the school where you are at currently, how have they changed in their, their thinking about podcasts and thinking about audio within the context of learning, um, regardless of the subject that they're teaching, the project, are they becoming more comfortable and have you seen it then change what is then experienced by the student given a change in lesson plan opportunities? You know, unfortunately, I don't know if it has changed. You know, I've been in education for the last 20 years. And yes, if you go out onto social media, there are amazing educators that are doing some great things in audio and video. And there's some great student-based podcasts that are popping up. But I find more and more with teachers as, as a whole, they're still scared of the potential. They're still nervous that they're going to be giving a math lesson and some kid is recording them in the corner trying to make a name for themselves. Um, I'm hopeful that somewhere down the, down the road, since all this stuff is interesting and all this stuff is easy to use, that teachers will find out why this is important and how this is important. And after all, that's one of the reasons why I created a, a nice little website called podcastingwithstudents.com. It's a nice place to learn not only about the equipment, but really how to create a lesson plan around audio and video and how to inspire your students to do the right thing with, these, with, you know, with this technology. Are you finding that professional development is changing at all? Uh, that that's an environment and an opportunity for educators to sort of practice, understand it, uh, know the role that it can play within a young person's life and how they appreciate that because it is a branded world now for young people. Um, are you seeing that within professional development circles? I think so. And, and as, as technology becomes more uh, brand aware and as technology certainly becomes free, Soundtrap, great example, right? Having a, a platform also like ListenWise to show off what's going on. There's other great platforms that are out there that are bringing in audio and video and making it easier for teachers to have these things. I certainly think there's a big reason for professional development to exist in this space, not just you know, let's face it, Rod, there's a lot of people that say video and flipped classroom go together, but I don't think that those two things have to use the same sentence. I think video can be used for so many different reasons other than just, you know, quote, the flipped classroom concept, using it as a learning platform, using it for entrepreneurial reasons, using it to explain what your why is. And, you know, we, we make edu resumes and every single thing on that Google site that our kids are doing is all based off of who are you and why are you awesome and what what value do you have in this world? So that way, by the time the kids get out of my class, they've got an entire digital portfolio. That's all audio and video explaining all the projects that we've done for the year. And it, it, I think it's only going to get bigger and better as things go on. During each episode of Education Today, we plan to bring you a data insight drawn from research conducted by the Learning Council to identify key trends and findings in education. Here's today's insight. According to the Learning Council's 2019 survey of school and district digital curriculum strategy and transformation, the social and emotional needs of students are now cited as the number one pressure point faced by school and district personnel. Respondents ranked 14 different issues on a scale from 1 to 10, and for the first time, social emotional needs outranked every other major issue facing schools. 
In the second half of today's episode, we'll talk with educational psychologist and SEL expert, Lori Jackson, to explore this issue further. And now to our interview. Let's walk sort of back in time in in your own background and experience with audio. What was the tipping point for you? When was it that you first heard yourself recorded? Like, what was it that was the hook? I have been a performer all my life. When I was three years old, my father got me interested in, in getting up on stage. Every single summer we go to Maine and we always have like 100 family members at our family reunion. So I was always the, the little one that was pushed out on stage. That just turned into me being a musician and, and feeling that love for performing and realizing what audio and video and, and really you know, self-awareness can do. That turned into me being a conductor and realizing that if I knew how to aud- now, to not only record but edit my own stuff, then I was in control of my destiny. I was in the control of building my audio and video resume. Well, that easily converted from being a videographer of orchestras and my own self to podcasting and building a studio for myself. And now it's kind of come full circle because now I'm the one pushing my little six-year-olds out onto the video platforms and pushing my middle schoolers out. You know, I have this firm belief that everybody should need to know the whole circle. It's not just, can I hit a record button? But really, how do you break it down? How do you break down a beginning, a middle, and an end? How do you present yourself? How do you say hello to the world? And how can you help change the way the world perceives and understands who you are by your words and by your actions? Now, you were a bit of a maverick in the beginning, right? Because this was, you were at sort of the, the onset of this in education. You were in a, at a t- period of time when confidence had to come directly from you. you. This was not sort of an environment where you had a lot of people podcasting, especially from a, uh, you know, a shared expertise and opportunity like you know, many people know you uh, to be now in 2020. Any advice that you have for people? Because I find that they're incredible professionals in education. When you talk to them at a conference or you sort of get them off the record, right? They say, I would love to be able to share my voice, my experience. But there's this general fear that what they have to say is not unique um, and or that they won't have anything of value to offer. Um, and I, I actually you know, want to call them on that because I think they probably have an incredible amount to offer the field. Um, but it's that one variable, right? How did you navigate that to, to the point where you are now? Because you know, from 10,000 feet, watching you develop your brand, your voice, it has continued to evolve over time. You're not static in this at all. This is sort of a continuous learning journey for, for you. Uh, from my perspective, how do we help to support those that might not have, they maybe weren't pushed on the stage at three, right? That they want to do it, but they, they can't sort of, you know, look back into their own uh, history and say that they've had that experience. I'll give you two answers. Uh, the first one I've always said is just create great content. And the more you do, the more you do. You know, I always say the first 50 episodes aren't going to be as good as the next 50 episodes. But the answer I'm really, really going to switch myself to giving you now is put down the wall and be vulnerable. I've been doing this for almost nine years. And in 2011 is when I started. So we're coming up on nine years here in January and July. And it was only until recently, seriously, it was January 1st when after so many people pushed me um, to call our new podcast, I said R. My new podcast, The Jeff Bradbury Show, is really when I put that wall down. It took me two years to really put my name on my website. It took me over 50 episodes to actually say my name on a podcast because I I put up this wall. 
And, and on one hand, I can say to everybody, just keep great, creating great content. You learn by doing, right? You got you to gotta stand, walk, fall, stand, walk, fall. But now the answer is be vulnerable. Tell your story. Tell your why. Um, I was going to call the podcast Build Your EDU Brand and one more time in my career hide behind a logo. And it wasn't until I started listening to my peers and following what others are actually, you know, suggesting and pushing me to do. And I said, no, I'm going to call this the Jeff Bradbury show. And it, it, it's when I do that show, I open my heart to the microphone. And when I do the teacher cast podcast, I feel like I still put up the wall and I'm, you know, Jeff ed tech. But when you're creating content, if you want to resonate with everybody else, if you want to grow a brand, if you want to build a, a, a platform for yourself, you've got to be authentic. You've got to be unique. You've got to put yourself out there and say, this is who I am. I've got something to say, you know, follow me on this journey. It's not listen to me. It's be with me on this journey. And that's why I start all the shows by saying, welcome and thank you for being a part of the teacher cast network and i always end with and thank you for sharing your passions with your students it's all about us putting ourselves out there and and just just breaking down that wall a little bit between us and that microphone it's an interesting concept when you're a conductor you're the only one on stage not making any sound and you're actually standing in the wrong facing the wrong direction same thing that happens with a microphone you've got a screen in front of you and you have no idea how many people are going to listen to that episode or when. So it's easy to be behind a platform. But once you start interacting with people and once you start really, you know, taking a breath before you turn on that microphone, it's total transformation and you see this stuff grow. I mean, in the last month and a half, teacher cast has completely changed around because I put down a wall and I've just become more vulnerable and more personal with myself on the microphone and it shows in the shows. Well, you're an incredible ambassador, uh, unofficial ambassador, just to the education podcasting world and ecosystem. And I think the nice thing about what you do is that you do bring a childlike energy uh, that's infectious to the space. And I think that it does allow for experience to breathe, whether you're a young person or a professional in a classroom that is trying to do their best to facilitate the learning of young people. And, and it's going to be fun to see you to continue to grow. I've, I've watched you for all these years. And you've been climbing this mountain and, and you're now, you know, you're, you're an explorer out on your own in this regard. And now you've got followers that want to learn uh, and be the next and, and different uh, Jeff Bradbury in that regard. So continued success. We want to thank Jeff Bradbury. You can go to, where can they go, Jeff? You've got so many, your presence is, uh, you know, you're very thorough in this regard. I want to make sure they go to the right spot. You know, the best place to go is to teachercast.net where you can check out all of our blogs, podcasts, online courses. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at teachercast. And if you're looking to hear a little bit more about my story, you can always head on over to jeffreebradbury.com and you can kind of follow along with what's going on with me here and our six-year-old edu triplets. And Dr. Berger, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the show today. Well, it's a great pleasure. You're listening to Education Today, presented by Soundtrap for Education. Make sure to participate in the conversation on Twitter by following at Soundtrap and sharing your thoughts. Now back to our show. Well, we're joined now by Lori Jackson, educational psychologist and co-founder of the Connections Model. Lori's been working on SEL for years, developing an approach based on teaching emotional regulation through an app and associated curriculum, giving her unique perspective to recent results that have come from the Learning Council's 2019 survey of school and district digital curriculum strategy and transformation. From this survey, social emotional needs of students is now cited as the number one pressure point faced by school and district personnel. 
Lori, how does that hit you right out of the gate? So right out of the gate, I will say to you, um, my reaction is twofold. My first initial reaction is to say, woohoo, it's awesome that SEL is forefront on people's minds and they are realizing the significant needs of students and families and schools. And then the second reaction I have is, oh, it's a pain point. It's a pressure point. So that means we need to be doing more to support schools because it says to me they're feeling pain with this associated need. And so what do we do to help not only students, but how do we help schools? How do we help teachers? How do we help communities really meet the needs that they're seeing? In the survey, Lori, they said that respondents ranked 14 different issues from 1 to 10. And for the first time, social and emotional needs of students came in ahead of every other major issue facing schools. Is this what you've been seeing in schools? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you talk with teachers and when you talk with families and communities, what they see are mental health issues in kids that they have not seen before and really aren't prepared to deal with. Um, we hear from teachers that they're concerned about behavior of students and how do they really support that in a positive, empowering way as opposed to a negative way. And, you know, also teachers are stressed, you know, so they're not immune to what's going on in society. And I think when you look at it from a big picture standpoint, that's what we're really seeing is like a trickle down of all of these pieces that then fall down on the heads of our kids and our families. And so, that's really what we are seeing is, you know, help us reach kids, help us teach kids, help us empower kids. So how do we help them then, Lori, not fall into that, I think, natural inclination to be reactive? Can we be proactive? I mean, if, if this is now being ranked ahead of every other concern in schools, do we even have a choice now on how we respond? Is it, or the pundits going to say, well, we're just being reactive. We're not putting in programs and approaches in professional development and technologies and curriculum that can be proactive to what we're finding in, in survey data like this? So I think we have to be proactive. I think we have been preaching a proactive approach for all of the 10 years that we've been, you know, doing our work in schools and with kids. And our approach is really tailored and focused. And we look at SEL and the sort of the big picture and we sort of boil it down to what are the foundational and really fundamental skills that we think kids need to be able to empower and drive their own learning. So whether that's academic, social, emotional learning, it's all put together. And so our approach is 100% proactive because what we know and see is that, you know, sometimes we make assumptions about what kids know and what kids are bringing in especially in early elementary school. Do they know their emotions? Can they name them? Can they identify them in times of need? And so our approach is really to target those skills. We tell teachers, you know what? You're gonna teach this like you teach any other academic skill. You're gonna give it time and then you're gonna give it an opportunity for kids to practice and apply those skills in the classroom. And what we've seen is when you tailor that approach, you don't overwhelm the teacher, you don't overwhelm the student, and you really start building the skills that they need. And then you go on to apply the rest of the skills of SEL, you know, the social skills and all of the other pieces. But it's very doable when you don't make it this giant amorphous topic. 
So is this a matter of, of thinking about this as if we're flying a plane and the oxygen masks are dropping, that we need to make sure that we're taking care of the adults first and the, so that we can then really think about the best suitable way to then work with young people? I think it's about, I mean, it definitely is that. What, what I see, you know, I was just in classrooms last Friday with a, a bunch of teachers and I see anxiety you know, am I doing this right? Is this okay? Um, are my kids okay? These are just amazing teachers who are really dealing with, you know, frontline needs of kids. First thing we have to do is to just reassure teachers, you know what, you do it all the time. You don't even realize it, you're fine. And then, yes, give them the right tools to approach learning and targeting learning the same way we do with academics and I think once you put it in that wheelhouse for them they're so much more comfortable you're not telling them to be mental health counselors which is very uncomfortable for a lot of teachers you're just telling them to be themselves be the great teachers that they are and deliver a very specific targeted curriculum or set of skills that they can do it becomes more manageable now you made a conscious decision to integrate technology into the equation do you find that this can be sort of a stealthy approach? I mean, I, I think that it is if we're looking at this outranking every other major issue and we know young people are, they're digital natives. So is this, yep. is this uh, sneaky good on your part, uh, a happy accident? How have you looked at technology? Um, I think it was sneaky good. I think the population that we were dealing with initially really focusing when we developed our app, teaching kids to be able to identify, understand and manage their emotions, they wouldn't take are teaching any other way. This was the best way we had to, you know, stop talking so much at them and allow them to sort of drive their own knowledge and, and understanding. And so it was an absolute um, decision on our part to use technology um, to make it simple, to have kids really be their own managers of sorts, as opposed to always having to rely on an adult talking them through something. You know, we are 100% about empowering kids using every tool that we can. And technology, is the, I mean, they love it. They don't balk at it. And it's what they, you know, it's really what they gravitate towards. So it's a natural. Now, let's talk about, obviously, the, sort of the adults in the room and the approach that they're taking. We want to have an educated workforce. Are you finding yep. that questions that are coming from from teachers in the classroom to the building level leaders, that those have evolved over time, uh, indicating that there has been a sort of a growth of understanding that this is not just something that's layered in at the end of a class or at the end of a day, that this is something that needs to be uh, pervasive throughout a school day, throughout a school week and school year. I think that um, everybody is very cognizant of this needing to be a full court press, for lack of a better word. Um, I think how you do that is what is more challenging. And I think that's the pain slash pressure point that they're feeling. How do you um, empower and work with your students? And how do you get your teachers to feel comfortable with the topic that when you start to layer in mental health, um, it becomes more challenging? So I think everybody's um, efforts are in the right place. I think... Um, as with any kind of you know new phenomenon in education or new area of of um, direction, you need to sort of break it down into manageable pieces because otherwise, you know, the drumbeat of change sort of drowns out the the pragmatic approaches. 
And so um, we hear huge desire and we need to meet that huge desire with, you know, real uh, tangible ways to, to do it as opposed to just, you know, big picture goals. You know, most often, Lori, I find that when data surveys uh, are released that often we'll say, well, that makes sense, right? We can see yeah. how that is, how that picture is painted. But oftentimes that data being released in an organized fashion based on feedback from professionals can actually help and aid those like yourself and others that are working on formalizing ways to integrate in thoughtful technology um, and instruction into social emotional learning or any other let's say discipline or vertical within education. Is that how you see survey data like this when you think about having conversations with those on the ground? You know, I think so. I think what's important is that you make an assumption yourself that schools are feeling this way. You hear about it from teachers. You, you read all of the, the research and, and you look into different ways and technologies and pieces and then you hope that what you have set off to do is, is validated and, and um, I think this this shows us this data, especially how um, how strong it is. Really says, yeah, you know, this is this is what's out there for um, for folks in education and for families. And I think um, you know we need to take it seriously, and then we need to say, okay, so what do we what do we continue to do, and how do we do it most effectively? And, and now it's on the main stage, right? And we want to thank the Learning totally. Council for their survey data. We want to thank Lori Jackson, educational psychologist and co-founder of the Connections Model. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education Today, presented by Soundtrap for Education. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you again next time right here in the studio.